0: At Kroger, fresh groceries are our thing. So we check your delivery order for freshness at every step from farm to store and pick and pack every veggie in your free pickup order with care because we treat your food the way we'd want ours to be treated. We're fresh every day, so shop anyway. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply.
1: And now you'll find more ways to save on your favorites. When you download digital coupons, you can use up to five times in one transaction. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Today on the Zabecast, can you handle just me for the next 30-plus minutes? Good, because I'm loaded. First, some constructive criticism. Next, the latest on Jawan Howard and his suspension. Then I've got combine news plus a tech review on some new headphones. All that plus masks are now pants. Your 40-minute dose of Pure B is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. Here we go. Tuesday, February 22nd, 2022. Thank you for downloading Out of the Gate Correction and a Wet Fish slap to my dumb face for not checking that video of the high school kid in the handshake line who went two-piece, stomach, face, down. That was not Jawan Howard. I know. I should have checked a little bit closer than I did. It was one of those too good to check, and I should have said, uh, hold on a second. No, it did not look like it. People are like, that was a white kid with big curly hair. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe that was Jawan Howard's hair in high school. Uh, footage is grainy. Anyway, I uh, apologize. I apologize sincerely for insinuating that Mr. Howard had done something so egregious back when he was just matriculating from preparatory school. More on Jawan and his apology in just a second but let's get to some emails here and we'll start with this Scott Lewis writes to say Zabe you challenged Andy about the three markets that could possibly support a team well here they are Oakland St. Louis San Diego bing bang boom possibly I mean they all used to have teams San Diego would love to have a team back, but would they want a team not named the Chargers, you know? Would Oakland want a team back that's not the Raiders? Remember, the identity, the the passion for fans in those cities that lost a team, and I know you're going to say, well, the Ravens are accepted now in Baltimore, and the Texans, you know, people are coming around on them even though they kind of wish they had never lost the Oilers. It's a tough deal. I don't know if the football fans in Oakland would be happy about an expansion team that was not the Oakland Raiders, the legendary silver and black. And as far as San Diego, they want the Chargers, period. Then there's this. Derek Molitor emails me to say, Zabe, regarding all the elites and their tidy mop-up of this sordid affair involving Epstein's underage rape island, don't forget Prince Phillips, Prince Phillips, Prince Philip had been accused by a woman and was sued in civil court and he just settled out of court with said accuser. Might be worth a mention on the pod. I forgot about that. But yes, another case of how do we make this go away? How much money is enough money? And the answer is everyone's got a price. Everyone's got a price. Then there's uh, this Uh, from Andrew E. Leslie Stahl. Zabe, come on, man. Are you sure your eyes are all right from that incident in Mexico? She's had so much plastic surgery, she almost looks like Joe Biden. Uh, Okay, Uh, you're right. I I got carried away there. Speaking of plastic surgery, I watched a great documentary off HBO Max about... Plastic surgery has gone wrong. And it was pretty much three basic storylines. A guy who was, I thought, fine, wanted his nose shaped a little differently. And it did not go well. Because the first surgery got botched. The second surgery got botched. The third surgery. And once you're really mucking around in there with the old schnoz, a lot of very dicey things in there that have to work just right. The sinuses. The cartilage, the bone structure, the skin. Leave your nose alone, people. Don't know what could go wrong. Another woman pretty much lost both her legs because they nicked her intestine while doing liposuction. And she started just oozing out poop and waste inside her body for like a week before they figured out what was going on. And so from there, it was one cascade after another. She had the most positive, you know, sort of outlook about, yeah, well, this happened, but I'm going to make the most of it, even though I've got, you know, no legs. And then there was a woman who looked kind of fine while they interviewed her. For the most part, she had become uh, a lot older, a lot grayer than her earlier photos, but she seemed kind of fine, but she swore that her face was drooping and she would pull her skin up and look in the mirror all the time. And then she also, you know, uh, said she couldn't swallow, and was you know saying these doctors are lying. They're lying. They've. I've got to find one that will will prove that I that all these things are happening to me. And they didn't really say she was crazy. But the more you watched her, more, the more you said, and I think you're basically fine. You've just let yourself. Uh, Let the the plastic surgery fuck your brain up where you've gone full cray-cray. Of course, maybe she was that way beforehand. I digress. How did I get down on this uh, road? Uh, Then there's this from Kevin White, Truman State University, director of of communications, Truman Athletics. He says, Zabe, vacation slash podcast, relax. You were on vacation. I, for one, as a subscriber, and hopefully the majority of us, think you deserve a break every now and then. Don't feel bad about missing a week on the podcast. Hope you enjoyed yourself. Yes, I did. Thank you for that. Then there's this from uh, Joe. Don't worry. Zabe, don't worry about creating podcasts when you're on your Sunburn Bowl trips. People pay a lot of money to go to those trips, and they. I think your first priority is with that crew. If people really want to hear you, they can listen to The Milwaukee Show. Plus, it brings people over to the show that might not listen normally. Yeah, possibly, although I don't really, uh, that's not something that I'm trying to do consciously. Now to this. Brad Grzinski, title Facebook page. Oh, boy, Facebook. Hello, Steed. Loyal one percenter here. Well, if you call me Steed, then yes, you are indeed a one percenter. That's an inside joke from way back. I'm not going to explain it. I listened from afar for years, and I contribute little. Your loyal fans, though, on the Zabecast page are getting restless. The empty promises of content from you is getting called out. We love you, but the absent-minded bit might be wearing thin. I love you and will continue to support you in all endeavors, but just want to let you know. Let you know. Brad Grzynski. Oh, I hear that Facebook page and the Reddit, the the Reddit community, subreddit on my show and the podcast, I hear they are they're nasty places. I mean, full of my fans who supposedly love me, but mean. As the saying goes, it is not a support group. I, I steer clear of that. I actually asked somebody, I said, should I do a AMA and ask me anything or some sort of chat in those things once a week to connect with the fans. And I think the overwhelming answer was no. You want no part of those people. I'm sorry. I just, I wiped my face. You probably heard that. I'm not going to edit that out. Just a napkin. Some people are very AMSR tuned in. Then there's this email titled pissed in Cincy. Zabe is a lifelong Bengals fan, over 50 years, and a 20-year Zabe fan. I was really looking forward to your take on the game, so I waited a week. So imagine my disappointment when basically the only thing you had to say was, Andy, what do you think? Was it one of the top 30 Super Bowls? Bengals don't get much national media exposure, so I was really looking forward to your take. Lots of issues that you could have commented on. Burrow able to be near the top of the QB stat lines in his second year all being tossed around like a ragdoll, game after game after game, noteworthy. Him wandering around the field pregame, introducing himself to various Rams players was funny. Evan McPherson actually watching the halftime show was unique. Controversial calls at the side of the game go undiscussed. I feel like I've shown incredible loyalty as a listener, and when our very rare moment in the sun arrived, you got drunk. And showed no interest. Call me disappointed. Rick Bowman, Cincinnati, Ohio. You know, Rick, you are right. My sense was Sunday night that it's a week removed from the game. It's been hashed over. Do I really need to go into it? Did it make sense? And so I guess I glossed over it. But let me take a moment here to talk about the game. Because I watched highlight packages again, not the whole game, but I went to refresh my memory. Remember, I was in Mexico, group, big room full of people, running around, meeting, greeting, getting drinks, yelling. I, would not con- I was not concentrating on the game. Could not hear the audio as well as I could have or should have. But I went back I watched a number of highlight packages, refresh my memory on uh, reading some of the game notes and box score and whatnot. And... It came down the game to a couple of plays, a handful of plays, which is what this league is designed to do. Handful of plays here, handful of plays there. We don't want to admit that. We want to always pretend that the victorious team was smarter, tougher, more perseverant, uh, was perhaps more uh, ingenious. It, uh, perseverant? Is that even a word? that We want to create the narrative that the winning team deserved To win, We tend to as human beings, media fans. We don't want to say, well, they got a few extra plays. What are you going to do? Kind of a coin flip deal. Could have gone this way. Could have gone that way. Boo. What kind of analysis is that? You must place blame on somebody that this idiot should have done the other thing that would have worked. I guarantee it. You know, like the East coast reporter where is that bite? Oh, I thought I get called up on the fly here. I just thought about it. Anyway, it was a close game. Could have gone either way. Handful of plays. But I think the one thing that I'm haunted by, I would be haunted by as a Bengal fan, is that you ended up being up 4 late in the game, not up just 3. I believe in football being up 4 is more dangerous. Than being up three late in the game. Why? Because when only a touchdown can beat you, it is a touchdown that shall beat you. There is a sort of complacency. There has to be typically a softer set of play calls on defense that says, okay, just keep everything in front of us. Let's not let them get a big touchdown right over the top right away. Let's just, they have to go all the way down the field. And score a touch. What? They just did that? 72 yards. Yeah, that was the winning drive. Aided, of course, by two P.I. calls, which I'll get to in just a second. But being up four is more dangerous, I've found, watching this league than being up three. It's like a two-goal lead in hockey. They had a chance, the Bengals, to really get their claws into the game. Uh, uh, See what I did there, Rick Bowman? Claws? Uh, took me a week. I had to sober out. Then I figured that one out. Uh, third and three at the plus 11, 11.03 to go. And they call a pass play, and uh, Burrow gets sacked by Aaron Donald. Had to settle for a field goal, put him up 20-13 th- uh, to 13, instead of possibly 24-13. to 13. Now, look, I once said that if I were given a year of intense training and tutelage and put my nose into the books, I could be an average play caller. Not coordinator. I couldn't design an offense. I can't coach individual players on technique. But just in terms of calling plays, I could be average. I don't know if I would have passed on third and three. Not with the way the Rams D-line was dominating. But hey, that was a huge play. Third and three at the plus 11, 11 minutes and three seconds to go. You call a pass play, sacked by Aaron Donald. Have to settle for a field goal. Ah, We're only up seven now. After the Rams' next possession, they scored a field goal to make it 20-16, to 16, and there's your four-point lead. Uh-oh. The Bengals had one, two, three, four possessions after being up 20-16 to 16, with the score 20-16. to 16. Four possessions. They went three plays and out for minus three. They went three plays and out for five yards. And they went five plays and out for minus two. And then they went seven plays for 24 yards and a punt. That's it. That's the game right there. Four possessions, up four, you go three and out three of the four times, and the other time you get two first downs and 24 yards, that's it. The P.I. on Logan Wilson was a terrible call. I always believe that if you're in a situation where a wide receiver is not running away from a DB, if it's middle of the field coverage, especially on sort of routes that are sit-down routes, where you're trying to sit down in the middle of the field, if the defender is on you and happens to grab your jersey for a moment to sort of pull or position themselves into a better defending position, which Wilson did, and then if you have the ball and you have to play perfectly defended like he did, that is almost always not called a P.I. Yet it was. The other P.I. was legit. This one was not. But then again, T. Higgins had a touchdown on a face mask that I think should have been called in real time. And if replay was worth a bucket of spit and it's not, it would have been fixed on replay. But it wasn't. So, you know, the breaks sort of even themselves out. But it was two dagger PIs late that were really hard to handle. And then, of course, Boyd had a critical drop on third down, which uh, is obviously salt in Bengal fans' wounds. Not to mention the fact that, well, Eli Apple was a problem when it mattered the most. You know, the touchdown by Cup that put him ahead and won it, I watched it several times, and I'm like, I don't know what the technique there was by Eli Apple, but really? Like, that was your defense. Almost felt like when Plaxico Burris scored the game-winning touchdown against the Patriots, their otherwise undefeated season, it seemed too easy. And I almost had to ask, really? So that was your defense. There was nothing else you could do. You couldn't even guess at one technique. Like, listen, I'm going to play trail, and I'm going to hope that you know they between Cup and um, Stafford they guessed the wrong way. It's a fifty-fifty shot. But I'm going to play one. Didn't seem like Apple played either side of it. it. Just stood there. But hey, that's the way it goes. I mean, couple plays here, couple plays there. Now heartbreaking for Bengals fans because I think it'll be hard to get back. It always is hard to get back for even the good teams because only two out of thirty-two go. And it's not like they have a fully complete dominant team. They had a team that was opportunistic this year in the wake of the Steelers unwinding and the wake of the Ravens losing about 37 really close games and about 104 running backs along the way. But still, they're in a better place to start the Bengals than most other teams. So that's good. You got to feel positive. For the Rams, they went all in and it worked. Barely. And I feel like Costanza scoffing about the Yankees. Yeah, you won the World Series. In six games. The Rams got the breaks, but that's okay. It's okay to get the breaks. Brady almost came back to beat them. They avoided going to Lambeau because the Packers choked. They got a team they knew in the Niners, even though they hadn't beaten that team in quite a while. They knew him, which I think is a better matchup than going to Lambeau to play the Packers. And Jaquisky Tart dropped a stone-cold pick. I mean, it breaks. they breaks. You get them, right? Two P.I. calls in the Super Bowl when they needed the most. Bing, bang, boom. And the winners write the history books. Outcomes decide narratives. It worked this time. But there you go, Rick Bowman. I feel for you. I understand the long-suffering nature of Bengal fans. But it was a hell of a ride. He got a hell of a quarterback. Hell of a wide receiver. I think a sharp young coach. Uh, who maybe needs to learn to run the ball a little bit more when his O-line is getting decimated. He got real problems with that O-line. It's got to be fortified and quick, quick, lest Burrow get buried. But I'd I'd feel good if you're a Bengal fan right now. A lot better than I'd say at least half the league, if not three-quarters of the league.
0: It's not easy being the one everyone counts on to keep the facility running, no matter the weather or supply chain hiccup. But we get you Raymond in Buffalo and Maria in Miami. Jules in Minneapolis and Stan in Central Indiana, taking control of everything that's under your control. At Granger, we're here for you with experienced branch staff at over 250 locations so you get the product you're looking for. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
1: Cut to Juwan Howard is sorry. Or so says this year. Written apology. Got hit with a five-game suspension, $10,000 fine by the Big Ten Conference. I thought they could only do two, but I guess they somehow made it five. Greg Gard got 10000 as well. A couple of other players on each side got a game suspension. And here was the statement from Jawan Howard. After taking time to reflect on all that happened, I realized how unacceptable both my actions and words were and how they affected so many, I am truly sorry. I'm offering my sincerest apology to my players and their families, my staff, my family, and the Michigan fans around the world. I would like to personally apologize to Wisconsin's Wisconsin's assistant coach, Joel Kravenhoff, and his family. Joel? You sure about that? It's Joe, actually, but... Ah. So the guy that you pawed or hit with your... Big paw hand. You got his first name wrong. Hey, come on. It's only a statement. <laughs> Fucking proofread it, people. And his family, too. Yes, his traumatized family. Lastly, I speak a lot about being a Michigan man and representing the University of Michigan with class and pride. I did not do that. Nor did I set the right example in the right way for my student-athletes. I will learn from my mistake, and this mistake will never happen again. No excuses. Okay. That is an airtight, professionally written apology, and he may actually believe some of it. I don't know. But whoever wrote it, whatever PR firm, good job. Notice there was no apology to guard. Guess he's going to still hold a grudge on that. There was an exceptional column written by Jay's least favorite pundit, Jason Whitlock, And Whitlock points out that, look, let's not kid ourselves. Howard is a black elite supporter of left-wing social justice. He checks all the boxes for the elimination of standards, accountability, and adult expectations. Our current culture says Whitlock immunizes Howard from real consequence. He took the black scene the alleged experimental cure for a bigotry that injects people with a mindset that black people are inferior and can't be held to the same standards as white, Asian, and Latino people, Howard is fully black and boosted. He can't be touched. What he did not sound like, though, was a leader or an adult capable of counseling young people to not easily be provoked. You can't strike a man because someone touched your elbow or stepped on your favorite gym shoes. Striking the Wisconsin assistant was bad. The rationalization after the fact was far worse. How can Michigan have confidence in Howard's ability to lead? Howard has less emotional control than his players. Things we tolerated and or overlooked decades ago, writes Whitlock, we no longer do. The Don Draper, Roger Sterling, Pete Campbell, and Mad Men era is gone. Jawan Howard cannot be retroactively grandfathered in. Replacing Mad Men with mad and untouch- untouchable black people is a mistake and equally harmful and racist, says Whitlock. But that's what we're doing. We're codifying cultural norms that lower or eliminate all standards of behavior and achievement for black people. You can see it in the education system, the criminal justice system, and the sports world. Leftists are defining black people as incapable of meeting traditional cultural norms. Jay is going to hate that take, but I think Whitlock is mostly over the target here. Again, I said, rest of the season plus whatever postseason they have. This is close. If they don't make the postseason, Phil Martelli steps in in the interim, and then you make sure he understands that he's not untouchable in the offseason. season. You make him go through uh, whatever embarrassing corporate, you know, training is required, anger management, and you go, okay, you're really under uh, complete and total double secret probation here, so. Don't mess it up. Also, there's a supercut of guard putting his hand gently on Howard while shaking his hand after previous games. And shocker, there is no, alter, no altercation in those games. Oh, yeah. Also, a week ago, up 20, you had Howard himself call a timeout with under a minute to go. Up 20 to sub in, guys. That timeout didn't bother Indiana's coach. Just need to note that this was the year a coach got fired at Washington State football coach for not getting vaccinated. A requirement that is now falling left and right across the country and will eventually be gone probably by the end of calendar year 2022 everywhere. A guy got fired, a coach got fired this year for not getting vaccinated, but a coach hit an opposing coach who was not even the guy that he was theoretically mad at, totally unprovoked, a full 10 seconds after the initial flashpoint at which you could have pulled back from the brink. And that's the world we're living in. Cut three. Rodgers too cautious? Longtime Packer writer Bob McGinn says, Aaron Rodgers' careful and calculating approach has hurt the team in recent postseason games. I'm interested because I think Rodgers is leaving a lot of meat on the bone because he's being too picky about not throwing picks. Now, not throwing a ton of picks is a good thing. Throwing some picks in today's NFL, I think, is inevitable. Rodgers just doesn't take the chances. Now, he's not a complete dink and dunker because he can go deep and will go deep, and he will take chances. I'm just saying you should take more. McGinn wrote, bad interceptions are, well, bad. Then there are interceptions that are a the cost of doing business for unselfish, competitive, stats-immune quarterbacks battling to make plays and lead comebacks until the bitter end. When a quarterback, especially one with a powerful and, usually, and unusually accurate arm like Rodgers, deliberately minimizes chances to deliver a big play for fear of interception... It's not good. Indeed, Rodgers had the lowest interception rate in the NFL last year with a minuscule 0.8% of his passes going for picks. His career 1.3% interception rate is absurdly low. McGinn is not the first Packer observer to hint that Rodgers' sometimes conservative play hinders Green Bay's offense in critical moments. Interception avoidance may not play well the fans and beat writers, but it still does win MVP awards. I agree, and if you say, well, Rodgers... First of all, I don't think Rodgers is keeping his INTs low to win awards. I I think that's the dumbest shit ever. I think it's sort of how he's wired. And I think he thinks, hey, um, I'm still productive in my shorter, safer passes. And this is still the better approach long term. I just want him to turn up the temperature a little bit on the picks. He does throw risky passes. There was a touchdown to Big Bob Tunyon early in the year that whistled right over the head and the helmet of a linebacker with his head turned on a seam route into the end zone. It was the chef's kiss perfection. But I like to see that number around 8, 9, 10, 11 and just take with it what comes. Cut four. Combine. Trouble in Indy. Agent Mike McCartney... Among, among those who are calling out the NFL's new bubble approach. Yes. The NFL's message on COVID during the season was, oh my God, it's still very bad. We're going to test all our guys every single week. We're going to keep testing them more, blah, blah, blah. And then the playoffs come and they're like, COVID? What, what? What's a COVID? Now they're like the combine. Oh my God, COVID. We got to put them all in a bubble. Agents and players and coaches were in an uproar because... This is not how business gets done. Typically, they have a sports staff with them. They got trainers and massage therapists. You know the legit ones, not like the Deshaun Watson side pieces on Instagram therapists. And they're uh, they're saying, "Hey, we can't. This is not any way to conduct a combine. Our athletes can't show off their best side under these conditions." Mike McCartney said, "As an agent, I struggle with the combine. Players get optimal nutrition and rest for games. At the combine, it's almost the opposite: improper rest and diet. Then tested in a cold, sterile environment, it's part of why guys test better at pro days. And somehow, the NFL has now made it worse. Well, there's an update. The bubble has burst. The combine just informed players it's changed its policy and will now allow them to be out to have outside of restricted area access next week in Indianapolis per." sources. Good. Personally, I've always felt that the worst thing that teams can do in the NFL is to take this TV show, otherwise known as the Underwear Olympics or the Combine, seriously. You get more bad info, bad info from the Combine than good info. I'm convinced of this. This is a hill I will die on. And that that would be it. That would be if it happened in a closed location. You'd still get slightly more bad info from this process of of evaluating players to create an underwear Olympics where they know basically what they're going to be doing and they prep and prep and prep for it and they know they got to put their best foot forward in interviews. And you're like, oh, this guy's got it. He looked great at the combine. Can he play football? How about that question? And worse is when this underwear Olympics is conducted in a way that is not just fully open to the public through television and reporters, but hyped, hyped in the dead winter of the offseason, it's even worse. Because you know what? Us fans and the media who really don't know shit, but think we do, get all worked up over certain guys with a 40-yard dash time. We start yapping and calling our favorite sports talk shows and going on social media. And we make noise about things that didn't mean anything anyway. And the owners and GMs, they can say they don't listen to the noise, but they hear it. They're humans. And sometimes they get snookered into thinking that, well, some things, they get snookered into thinking like, hey, Mike Mamula can actually play defensive end. Narrator. He actually could not. Great at the bench press, though. Or they think that Johnny Manziel has finally grown up. He didn't. Well, that Mark Sanchez comes off as presidential. No. Mike Sherman once got a good nap at the Combine, caught on cameras, sort of never lived it down. You know what? That was the best scouting you could do there. Take a nap. The writers get nice steak meals. The media gets something to do. NFL Network has something to air. Otherwise, you're getting a lot of bad intel coming out of the Combine. Cut six your ears. I'll admit I'm a headphone whore. I bought the AirPod Max. Yes, these are the giant, insanely expensive, four ninety nine. I'm what is that? I, th- I thought I heard four to start that. Maybe you did. It's on sale though. It was five fifty? What? The AirPod Max or Apple's high-end version of their best headphones that money and Cupertino engineering can deliver. These things were widely derided when they came out, in part because they come with a stupid carrying case that just around wraps around the ear cups, but you carry it by the head strap like a handle. Looks like a damn purse. Well, I... Made the mistake of trying a pair from my good friend Jason Autumn, who was on our sunburn bowl trip, and I said, wow, these feel nice, look nice. Look at how well-constructed they are. Look at the elite materials and engineering. Plus, the ear cups are fully enclosed. So, unlike my Bose QC35s, which have wonderful, soft Corinthian leather, and are quite light, you know, these are not light headphones. They are somewhat hefty, although I didn't find them to be needlessly heavy. They have great noise cancellation, but most importantly, and this is what sold me really, most headphones make you fumble around for buttons to do the volume up and down. You got to click, 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 and it's kind of annoying. This has a little knob on it which I thought was very unlike Apple. I thought Apple was going to design some kind of touch pad on the hard outer shell of the ear cup, and you'd have to do a two-finger swipe up or two-finger swipe down. No, it's a physical little dial that is smooth and brilliantly engineered, and your volume goes up, and your volume goes up. Volume goes up. But, okay, we got it. Anyway, it's really nice. Sound great could stand them to be a tick louder, but then again, I'm going deaf from all this damn radio and podcasting. But they're loud enough, and they are, oh, they sound good. Also, what's nice is that they pair effortlessly, of course, with all your Apple devices. I didn't have to once fuddle, you know, mess with the settings on my iPad or my iPhone. And when I was on the plane today, and I put the iPad away, and I picked up the iPhone, it switched just automatically, connected Bing bomb. It knew that knew that my iPad was closed and put away, and it knew that my iPhone had been picked up and turned on. Didn't have to go into settings or anything. Brilliant. And in a weird and in, in one of the more interesting bits of voodoo that these things do is they have something called spatial stereo feature. So I'm watching some Curb Your Enthusiasm episodes, and as I am listening to it. I turn my head like this to the left. Can you see that on the podcast? I turn my head to the left to reach for the cup of soda from the flight attendant. And I stop and I go, wait a minute. Am I playing these Curb Enthusiasm episodes over the speaker on the iPad? And is everyone else around me hearing it? Because that's what it sounds like. I turn my head back and it's, no, it's normal now. What the the deuce? if you turn on spatial stereo feature and you don't have to have it on, you can turn it off. It will match the sound with how your head is turned. And it was pretty cool. I don't even know why you'd want it as a feature, but as I turn my head left or right, it sounded like, well, my iPad was where it belongs spatially. I, I don't know why that's a feature. I don't know if I'll quickly get annoyed by it and just turn it off, but it was pretty cool. But yeah, headphones, I'm afraid, to me, are like expensive shoes. I'm just going to have to accept that I'm going to buy a lot of them. Cut seven. Annie Agar bitten by the tweet monster. Twas only a matter of time, right? Get internet famous. Get internet canceled. She tweeted out, I want to apologize for the insensitive tweets from my past. They were written when I was a teenager and do not reflect who I am today. I have the utmost respect for the athletes and teams I cover. Hope you can forgive teenage me and we can get back to laughing together again. Agar, by the way, boasts nearly 300,000 followers on Twitter. Currently works as an NFL slash college football nationwide correspondent and host at Bally Sports. No shock then that soon as she got a job, with a real company that could possibly fire her was when people started digging up shit because Annie Agar has been around a little while. What were the tweets? How bad were they? Well, let's see. Here's one about baseball. Hey, Felix Hernandez, maybe if you straightened out your hat, you'd be able to see the strike zone better. This is baseball, not the hood. Ooh, this one. Every NFL player is currently either one out six to eight weeks, two out for the year, three in jail, four suspended, five apologizing, or six soon to be in jail. Okay. Then there's a Kaepernick story. Here we go. I am so disgusted, she says. This is America, bold. And you stand for the flag that gave you the freedom to play football every Sunday. Ah, yes, the old Kaepernick wars. Weren't those fun? No, they sucked. Then there's this. It used to be you couldn't drink the water in Mexico and the cars were made in Flint. Not the other way around. Actually, that's kind of brilliant. And that's not racist in any way, shape, or form. Used to be you couldn't drink the water in Mexico and cars were made in Flint, Michigan. Not the other way around. All right, we'll see if she survives it. Cut eight. Bill Gates, the world's smartest idiot at the 2022 munich security conference he was asked what about masks there's a lot of people in america who are confused about whether they should be wearing a mask and the united kingdom for example they've scrapped them all together oh by the way bill gates is not a fucking epidemiologist or doctor or anything he's a computer nerd who built a slightly better operating system because nobody else had And it's sucked ever since. He's not even doing it anymore. Cares what he thinks about masks. But okay, I digress. He says, well, that's interesting. You know, what's the downside of wearing a mask? I mean, it's got to be tough, you know. You have to wear pants. I mean, this is tough stuff. These societies are so cruel. Why do they make you wear pants? I'm trying to figure it out, Gates said to laughter. In a sarcastic tone. Oh, so a facial covering that does not do shit is the same as pants. Really? Bill Gates, I thought you were smart. Wow, that is the dumbest analogy ever. Do you really need me to go through all the ways and the reasons why and the flaws in the analogy to say that no mandatory masks, including those on young children, just learning how to read facial inflections and vocal inflections and speech patterns. Why they're being damaged by being forced to wear masks. Do I really need to go through this? But uh, whatever, moron. Cut nine, the CDC says, yeah, we're not going to show you our data anymore. You don't need our data. You could misinterpret the data. They're not publishing COVID data because they fear that the data could be misinterpreted. Misinterpreted. I was about to say that. Misinterpreted by you rubes out there in the public. Never mind the fact that many people are brilliant that don't work for the CDC, that analyze numbers all the time, many of them in the infectious disease realm. And they would love to keep getting as much data as we have from the Centers for Disease Control. And to be able to check their work. Hell, if you think your data and your interpretation of the data is on rock solid footing, just put it out. But no. So our taxpayer dollars is paying for data that the CDC is collecting that may be garbage to begin with, but now they're not even going to show it to us because, well, reasons. It's like their, their vaccine advisory panel. Remember that? First, the, the advisory panel, when requested to rule on, I believe, a booster for a certain age group. Might have been the f- first booster under 50 or whatever. They go, eh, I don't know about that. And we looked at it, eh, we wouldn't advise it. What the CDC do, or what, the head of the, what did the head of the CDC do? Ms. Rochelle Walensky, she's just like, nah, I'm going to Leroy Jenkins it. Time's up, Leroy Jenkins, let's go. Approved it. Then the next time around that they were going to or theoretically go to this advisory panel, set up, of course, to be a safeguard of, hey, if we're going to advise this or approve this, we should have our best and brightest minds think about it, look at it, and give us their collective opinion as a panel without undue influence. That's what it was there for. The next time around, they just didn't ask the advisory panel. They're like, yeah, no, fuck this. We're just going to tell you, you got to go get it. It's amazing. And then finally cut 10, the pandemic tweet of the day from J.D. Rucker, co-founder of freedomfirst.net, says this is the only vaccine that people take three times, then wear masks, then close businesses, then stay home, and often still get the disease. Only then to turn around and blame the unvaccinated for their troubles. Can't argue with a single word in that sentence. That is a wrap for today. Thank you for downloading and being a loyal Zabecast subscriber. I hope I gave the Super Bowl at least a decent lick and a promise in terms of the analysis of the game, a full week and a half later. And I'm sure we'll talk more about it as the days and months and years go on. Thanks for listening. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. Enjoy yourself out there in life. And as always, we will see you next time.